Again, everyone, welcome back to a new episode of Cranked and Ranked. Well, I guess if you're listening to this in the future, this is no longer new, but whatever. It's a <laughs> it's another episode. I always have to derail myself somehow when I do intros. Um, it's a thing that you I'm, had this one in the palm of your hand. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Cranked and Ranked is the podcast you're listening to, where we rank uh, rock and metal and other music related things. Um, usually band discographies, but we've gotten on kind of a roll with doing um, years, uh, the the our, our our top five albums of a particular year, and so we're back to do this once again with uh, me, uh, Stephen, aka Old Head, and uh, with me as always is Mister Eddie Sparks. Hello, sir. Yo, what's up? I love, I fucking love the year episodes. I get to give so much love to so many more albums. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> they're also they're a little bit easier for me because I don't have, feel like I have to be so picky. I'm kind of going with how I feel. Yeah, because we're doing our five favorites. I'm not really trying to be yeah. technical and pick these apart. So part, it's mostly me going like, well, which five albums from this particular year do I find myself wanting to listen to more than anything else? And so, yes, that's what we're doing today. We are going to be ranking our top five favorite albums from the year 1986. And, um, right, you know, mid-80s, which is, you know, that's pretty much where our, our sweet spots kind of begin, I guess, around the mid-80s. That's where we, the stuff that we love is starts around yeah. then. And um, for me, it goes until about the mid-90s, the stuff that I'm really, really interested in. And, yeah. Uh, so uh, agreed. Yeah. So we'll we'll uh, well. Yeah. Th- these are like I said, not the five best albums from 1986 because I'm sure a lot of people will disagree. In fact, there are two I can think of that aren't on my list that people are going to think that there's something wrong with me because I didn't include them. Um, <laughs> Same. And uh, <laughs> but these are our five favorite albums from 1986. It's more of a discussion, folks. And if you're listening to this on the YouTubes, uh, you're more than welcome to chime in down below in the comments with your five favorite albums from 1986, um, because it's all about talking about this music, which is it's why we're here. And so um, I, I was going to ask if you had anything to say about 1986, but you were you were not even a, a, a glimmer of a sperm in your father's nutsack <laughs> back in 1986. Um <laughs> 86 is is a, is around the time of like the, like you say the the beginning of our area of expertise so like i would say if i had like to span a decade that i know a shit ton of music from it would be like 83 to to 84 to 93 slash 94 like that kind of very beginning of the mid 80s to the very end of the early nineties. Yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, but you, but you, all this, you know, was oldies to you, um, because you were born in 98 and I was born yeah. in 78. So I was eight years old in 1986. And honestly, 1986 is the big year for me when it came to me getting into my own music. Cause prior to that, 
Um, the only thing I can remember that I got really into on my own was uh, Van Halen um, yeah. at that point. Everything else was what was on TV or my older brothers were listening to. So a lot of a lot of Madonna, Michael Jackson, Huey Lewis in the news, you know, um, the shit that was, you know, on the radio and stuff like that. Um, but 1986 is when I clearly remember going, you know, that we had a, a grocery store that I would go to with my mom during the week for groceries. And they had a a section of music where they sold cassettes and I would go over there and I would, that's when I first started picking things out. Like, this looks cool. I'm going to get this. And my mom would get me these cassettes. And um, two two of those that my mom uh, bought me are on my list. <laughs> hey. So, uh, you know, my, my mom, my mom was really uh, integral in me getting into my own, uh, my own journey into the music that I, you know, started to love and still love to this day. Um, but you know what? Let's not beat around the bush anymore. Um, everyone's probably very curious and I'm curious too, cause there's always a wild card that one of us throws in that always just makes these lists so much more interesting. Um, I don't know. Let's just do it. Why don't, well, go ahead and start it off. What's your number five pick for 1986? I feel like mine's, mine's got a few curveballs in here and, um, I mean, it, I don't know if it's a curveball or not. Let, let me know. Let me know. <laughs> okay. But, uh, Okay, I've gone for my number five pick, Somewhere in Time by Iron Maiden. That is not a curveball, but um, I mean, <laughs> considering that we talk a lot about rock and metal, that seems right up, that seems, you know, appropriate. Uh, but that is a, yeah. that's a great album. So go ahead, sir. Talk about it. Cool. Uh, it, like, I've, I've heard it get criticized for having like the big 80s synth kind of thing. Yeah layered over the top of it it's a little bit more glossy than their previous works but god damn i i love that about this album and yeah. like right from the very first few notes it's just this epic fucking rad almost it does fit with the sci-fi themes of like the artwork and and stuff too totally and you know that'll that'll be something to discuss in in like the I, do you think we're going to have to give Iron Maiden their own artwork episode? Because I, I'm absolutely fine with that. I I feel like Iron Maiden have such good artwork consistently for the most part through their career. Not only that, we're not just talking album covers. We're talking single covers that are fucking badass yeah. from Iron Maiden, live album covers. So yeah, I do believe that um, considering that I think out of all... All of the bands that I love, they are probably the one that has the most badass album covers of any band. So I do believe that they deserve their own episode. Maybe we'll do that. Awesome. But yeah, like, I just, all the songs on here have such a cool vibe to them. They're big, they're epic, and they've got this, like, retro futuristic feel to them. Mm -hmm. You know, caught somewhere in time. Wasted Years, all of these songs I have absolutely fucking cranked out of my stereo. Yeah. You know, Sea of Madness, Heaven Can Wait, Loneliness and the Long Distance Runner. I love a guitar solo that does uh, that does a um, like key change into major because it gives it that really epic, soaring power metal kind of feel going on yeah. in it for a little bit. But 
ah, oh, Stranger in a Strange Land, Deja Vu, Alexander the Great. This this album, it's one of those eight track albums where the songs are lengthy enough, but also interesting enough to warrant being, you know, four tracks per side. Yeah. I, I just, this album to me really taps into the 80s love that I have. You know? But I don't. I don't think. But they. I mean, if you want to compare it, if you compare it to you know something like Turbo, they they didn't go yeah. super eighties ever. Like the inclusion yeah. of like the way that they started to include keys was almost like it was atmospheric in the background. There yeah. was never a guitar solo on an Iron Maiden album. <laughs> um, although I would have been perfectly yeah. fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's there's like that kind of fizzy synth right at the start of like caught somewhere in time underneath um like the lead guitars and it just really adds to it. Yeah. And I feel at this this point, you know, what what was the album before this Power Slave? Yeah. I feel like they'd kind of elevated their sound on on that record to a point where it was like okay, now we're going to put some even bigger production behind it yeah. and and at really develop on it and the thing i love about this is the development mm. of of the sound yeah i was gonna say sorry that. I, I cut you no, off no but i'm saying pretty much the same thing like that's what yeah i love about early iron maiden up until even up until fear of the dark um i just yeah. love the fact that they there was a progression and they did different things with their albums while still you know maintaining that core iron maiden kind of sound it's unmistakable yeah um, later iron maiden to me, while it's good, it gets a little samey. Like there's, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a lot of different versions of the same thing happening. And if there are progressions, they're minor and only just random, you know. And so it's, um, and, and so that, I love Somewhere in Time because of that. Because they, I feel like Power Slave with that, the first run with Bruce Dickinson, I think that is the pinnacle of, of that style and then they they just built upon that like any good band should do in my opinion totally you know there's always room for you know development and evolution i don't want a band to to make the same album twice you know as i kind of did when i was younger and then as i matured i realized if i want to hear that i'll listen to that album you know yeah I, I don't want to get I don't want to get two of the same and have to choose between oh which of these is better but solely know that I'm always going to like the first one and anything that follows up is going to be disappointing because it's not going to be the same as the first time I heard it or if it is the same in in style it won't hit me as hard yeah so you you kind of got to like ramp up or strip back depending on which direction you're going but um yeah, Iron Maiden, I feel, really nailed it on uh, Somewhere in Time. I, I I agree. Is that all you got for that one? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'd cool. Love this record. <laughs> well, I'm going to I'm going to kind of go to the other side of the of the of the guitar music spectrum with mine. Um th- this Ooh. literally my number 5 literally is an album where um we were standing in line at the grocery store Long, you know, long line, and I went up to look at the cassette tape section, as I normally did, and I found this album that 
the dudes on the cover, they, they, they looked, I mean, to me at the time for an eight year old kid, I'm like, they looked like legit rock and rollers with big hair and crazy clothes. And they were, they were, uh, standing in what looked like an alleyway. And that is just, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I know exactly which one you're talking about. They, I, I thought to myself, well, this has to be good. And I was right. (laughs) Uh, the album that is number five on my list is Cinderella's debut album, Night Songs. Night Songs. <laughs> and they, to me, get inappropriately lumped in with the sort of pop metal bands because while they had the look, you know, you could, you know, visually compare them to a poison or something like that, um, their shit had some riffs. And a, a lot more harder. bluesy qualities and parts of them too. But, but there's, I mean, if you compare like, you know, you know, with, with, uh, with, with Poison, um, which their album came out that year too. Uh, what was the big hit? Was it I Want Action was a big one off that. You compare that to how night, the song Night Song starts off that album. It is yeah. very different. It's dark and it's, it is, it is a motherfucker. And, and it really like, Night Songs is is an album. I, I I think it's probably my favorite Cinderella album. Um, just because it because later Cinderella they they leaned more on the bluesy side. This one has a little bit of that, but it still has a lot of hard rock for you to sink your teeth into. And yeah. it's got so many great songs. I mean, I think they did three or four videos from this. They did Shake Me, Nobody's Fool, Somebody Save Me. That may be it. I think it was those three. I don't know if there was a video for Night Songs. Aren't, aren't, aren't Bon Jovi in the video for... Somebody um, Save Me. Yeah, and yeah. they steal all their girlfriends at the end. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that is one of those videos that I keep trying to find a Cinderella video to play on Old Headbangers Ball, and they all yeah. get blocked. All oh, of them get that blocked. Sucks. So um, unfortunately not happening. But yeah, at the end of Somebody Save Me... Um, it was just funny cause that video just has them like they're recording the album live in the studio, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, so at, at the time in 1986, this album was really big in leading me towards the harder edge stuff. Yeah. And, you know, Cinderella directly led to a couple years later, Guns N' Roses, which led to. Um, you know, getting heavier and getting into like anthrax and stuff and then so on and so forth. Um, Van Halen would have been the beginning for me, but Cinderella was the first one where I think I started getting comfortable with going and looking at album artwork and being like, I'm just going to start checking shit out because apparently there's a lot of this great heavy rock music out there and I'm going to find it. And so Cinderella was kind of the start of that for me. And that's an album that's just never gotten old. Um, it's a, got a good variety of songs on it. It's well produced. Um, who who did the production on this? I think it's somebody well known that did it. Andy Johns, um, which I think Andy Johns did shit since the seventies. I think like he's he's uh, pretty well known. Um, but it's got a great sound. Um, and then I, I, as as cheesy as the cover kind of looks, it's an iconic album cover to me. It's um, one of the hair metal album covers, in my opinion. It's just such a snapshot of the era, you know? Yeah. Normally, I would prefer, like, a painting or something a little more intricate, but for this era, you are 
buying something that sounds exactly how you expect it to sound, but with a harder edge to it. Yeah. So it, it as well, there's something very, very, uh, like even the name Cinderella, like that's a girl's name. Yeah. You know, a but, Disney character at that. <laughs> yeah, but ironically, they're one of the heavier glam bands, so yeah. it's it's weird. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so th- it's, it, this is just an album to me that I still put it on to this day, and it still sounds great to me. So um, yeah, that's why it's my number five, Cinderella Night Songs. Awesome. I want I want to I want to just say as well that's that that thing about being a girl's name that that wasn't me being sexist. <laughs> just in case, just in case any anyone says anything. What's wrong with being sexy? <laughs> uh, um, cool. So number four for me, peace sells. But who's buying? It's, it's a fucking classic. You know, yep. it, it it's a classic for a reason. It's a phenomenal follow-up to their you know furious debut and there is some serious serious tunage on here some serious riffage on that album (laughs) totally it's it's megadeth's 80s masterpiece and you know the fucking drumming from gar samuelson and like the even the guitars from chris poland as well you know it's chris poland playing you know that there aren't guitars like that on any of the other um megadeth albums and as much as i as much as i love marty chris also had an awesome unique sound that adds a totally different dimension to the band yeah i mean uh uh, dave messine is a guy that he he doesn't work with with um less than stellar musicians for sure Um, and i mean some are better than others but i think overall he's a guy that kind of knows when somebody's got it and he gets them to be in his band. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, the, the, the crew on, um, on peace sells, but who's buying her or, uh, that's, that's some top notch shit there. Phenomenal. Like if, if you look at the, like, so many of these songs are staples, you know, wake up dead, the conjuring, the, the riff in the middle of the conjuring dude, like dead. Yeah. There's a lot of those badass middle riffs in, on P cells. But something as well, I love about this album is it's that perfect example of what makes thrash. So great. Is that, you know it has these like furious double kick sections and then hits you with this absolute mosher of a riff i even love in uh in wake up dead that that abrupt abrupt tempo shift where it goes i mean that still gives me chills now when i i hear it i'm like oh so fucking good some people complain about that song because it's barely a song because there's not really verses and choruses in it. There's just a spoken part at the beginning and then a unconventional, uh, yeah. but it doesn't matter. Like that is the, that's the kind of songwriting that I wish was done more often where people put something together and go, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't need anything else. It doesn't need the traditional verse, chorus, verse. This works on its own as it is. And I, I love that. I, I just, I, you know, doing the same kind of song over and over again is what turns me off of bands. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I could say a lot of great things about 
uh, P-cells, honestly. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to drop a, a little childhood influence here too. Um, so if, if you've regularly listened to the show, you'll know that I grew up playing the Grand Theft Auto games, specifically the PS2 ones. And in GTA Vice City, I, I know I told you about the radio in San Andreas, yeah. but the, the rock station V-Rock in GTA Vice City, that game is set in 80s Miami in 1986. And the, the fucking rock station in that game, are you ready for this? Has Peace Cells, Madhouse, <laughs> and Rain in Blood on it as nice. well as a bunch of other glam and and eighties acts. Honestly, that whole V Rock playlist is a trip, dude. But please tell me th- that somewhere on there is the Miami Vice theme song that you can listen to on the game. Um, uh, Crockett's theme is on there. Yeah, but not the it, not the theme song though. It's the do 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 do. Okay, so no, not the not the one. theme. No, I I wish though. It, it's like wow. Not to not to go off on a tangent, but I had I had the twelve inch maxi single of the Miami Vice theme song where they stretched it out to like ten minutes, yeah. and I was I was just like this fucking rules. Um, that was a thing back in the day. You would actually buy singles of tv theme songs yeah like I've my got p- the miami vice tape here somewhere i bought it in a bought it in a record oh, store man. i saw it and you i was like belong to the city <laughs> <laughs> you got some why is there there needs to be more saxophone in, in songs these days what's yeah, going on man? agreed <laughs> i would absolutely pay g- good money to see a metal band they probably exist but instead of having lead guitar all the solo sections are played by a saxophone. That yeah. would sound so fucking cool. That, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would totally love that. But um, yeah, I'm trying to think. What was the other big? There was another. Oh, the other, the other one that I had the 12 inch single was uh, of the um, Axel F theme song from Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, like that was like another one that I totally loved. Uh, that's a, that's. I can't imagine that being a thing today. You know, uh, TV theme song well i guess people bought the soundtrack for like you know stranger things and stuff like that so i guess yeah i guess there's a there's a level of that now but they weren't on the pop radio like the miami vice theme was on the radio yeah so you know that's uh anyway sorry that's nothing to do with 1986 well except for it's around the the mid 80s but um that's awesome so another another side note because i know that you, you you play video games i keep seeing all of this shit for this cyberpunk game yeah like there's a soundtrack yeah. that came out. is that like a game that everyone's really looking forward to because isn't I, I think i even saw keanu reeves on a commercial for it or something keanu reeves plays one of the characters in it and i'm gonna hold out on it for a while because it's a next gen game so i don't have the ps5 yet and i've heard oh. the ps4 version of the game has a lot of bugs so apparently upon release it was met with some criticism like it aesthetically it looks like the game i've dreamt of for about four years yeah but i'm gonna wait wait it out a little bit wait until you know some more stuff has come out for the ps5 and then when it comes out i'll buy it and i'll definitely get that game providing it's you know working properly but uh yeah yeah that's the thing i with with a lot of stuff these days 
this is just my little uh, a quick side tangent and i know this is a music podcast but i just got to say this game developers need to stop relying on updates to fix broken products that they sell out of the game (laughs) because the it's become too reliant these days because back in the day when you didn't have the advent of online you couldn't fucking just download an update because you didn't have access to the internet on it you You had to buy a whole new cartridge you bought (laughs) you bought the cartridge or you bought the disc you put it and then played it now you got to wait like three days for it fucking download depending on your broadband speed and it's yuck yeah it's too too complicated these days i'm not a i'm not a gamer by any stretch of the imagination i haven't played a newish video game since i played like tony hawk underground or something like years (laughs) years back um but i thought it was interesting remaster of that i saw i saw that and like that's my daughter tried to make that a, a suggestion of like oh maybe we should get the new PlayStation <laughs> or whatever, because you like that, don't you, Dad? I'm all like, okay, nice try. <laughs> but um, yeah, the only reason I brought that up is because it's got you know like rock music and hip hop music on the soundtrack, and it seems like it's a big deal. And honestly, maybe this is the chunk that I'll cut out and I'll put on YouTube for everybody to watch, and I'll be like, hey, look, just like every other metal channel out there we'll talk about video games for a minute because <laughs> it seems like that's what they all do they're all like metal metal and video games i don't know why i made them british i, I didn't mean to make that well, I, just, I, I am <laughs> and I, I do that <laughs> i think it's because i like uh, saying the word metal without the t it just sounds yeah. it sounds heavier for some reason like metal, metal. sounds <laughs> metal sounds like you're it's way too meticulous in what you're doing. Metal sounds like you're just ramming it home, man. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> so that was our tangent. So <laughs> from the, started with Miami Vice, went to video games, but let's let's. I'm gonna bring us back on track. We were discussing P cells, but who's buying? Cool. So I'm up to uh, you know Devil's Island. Great track. I'm not gonna you know dive too deep into these um, track by tracks. Yeah. on these episodes because that's saved for the discography ones but good morning black friday bad omen mm-hmm. i love the fact that on like pardon me uh i love the fact that on the first three megadeth records there's like a half novelty cover song so like on the first album you got these boots yeah on the, on the next one after it you got anarchy in the uk um but then on this one you got I ain't superstitious. Who did who did the original of I ain't superstitious? Um, hold on, let me let me look at that real quick. I love hearing thrash bands play bluesy shit. Yeah, so <laughs> through it's a thrash rig. <laughs> it says it's a song written by bluesman Willie Dixon and first recorded by Howlin' Wolf in 1961. Yeah, it's it's just really cool hearing them play and then well, I ain't super Chris Poland Shredlick here. Yeah, no, it's that. I mean, honestly, that's my least favorite part of the album. I'm glad they stopped doing cover songs because honestly, my favorite cover song they did was These Boots just because it was so just kind of, it's kind of dumb, but fun at the same time. But it's odd. It's odd. They like, they were, that's a, yeah, there was a lot of bands doing cover songs in the thrash world. And that seems to have mostly gone away. Like, I don't see a lot of bands doing covers, or do they? And I just miss out on it. Did Exodus do, what's it called, Lowrider? They did Lowrider, yeah. Yeah, 
then of course you have you have Anthrax doing you know Antisocial and Got the Time and and then Metallica. You know they've they did cover songs that for you know they might as well just be Metallica originals. Yeah, well that's the thing. Like the stuff they used to pull back in the early days, they would never get away with now. Like. Yeah. Being able to say, oh, yeah, these are all our original songs. Totally not all <laughs> ripped from British bands. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like the final track on it, My Last Words, is one of my, is one of the songs I learned to get used to double kick. Because yeah. there's that bit at the end where it's like, do, yes, victim. Like just keeping that up used to be like furious cardio exercise whenever I came home from school and yeah. I would just get right behind the kit after like listening to it on the bus like can't wait to fucking play this can't wait to fucking play this get behind the kit yeah <laughs> just <laughs> blasting it out and it just felt so fucking good to to get it up to speed and um you know of course my legs would cramp in the middle of the night and wake me up and I'd try to bite the pillow so I don't scream but uh <laughs> yeah aside from that you know, I've got, I've got some great memories with this album because the, I think this was the second Megadeth album I bought because I got Countdown to Extinction first um, because I, I loved Sweat and Bullets and Symphony of Destruction. But yeah. then I heard Peace Sells was really good and I knew Peace Sells, the song from the Vice City soundtrack. So I went out and got this one and, you know, it took, it took a second to... to set in you know i was kind of at at this point i was still my you know metal fandom was still in its infancy mm -hmm. but when it did click i went out and bought every single megadeth album i i could with the money i had at the time you know yeah I, it was a really cool time I, I it's hard now for me because it's 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 the band's that I'm able to do major deep dives of is starting to plateau a little bit. And I know so many bands and I'm into so many bands that it's rare that I get to do a deep dive of something I don't know anything about. You'll discover that there's a lot more than you think. Yeah. Like they'll, you, you'll, you'll end up... I, I, what I found is that there are little nooks and crannies that... I haven't ventured down yet and I'll be like, oh, I'm going to go after this band. And, you know, for me, nine times out of ten, I go, all right, I'm glad I listened to it, but it didn't do anything for me. But then there's that one time where you all of a sudden become fanatical about a new band that's an old band. And um, that's always fun and expensive. i got to say as well, ever since we did the death episode, yeah. I have listened to nothing but death metal for the last fucking week <laughs> and i have i've done a deep dive and i've found that i love the really nasty sounding slower stuff like don't care by obituary and songs like that i know oh, it's yeah. another tangent but That's god okay. like i i've where has this been you know i was kind of under the impression that you know death metal was like Blast beat, blast beat, blast beat, blast beat. But in actual fact, it's well, like... Well, it is now. <laughs> it, yeah. And I was like kind of turned off by the uber quantized technical kind of stuff coming out today. Come to find, there's like a 10-year period from like 85 to 95 that I just have totally neglected from an extreme metal point of view. And really, this is the biggest, you know, deep dive I've done for a while because... You know, I would find the odd band and the odd album here and there, 
but it's been a while. But yeah, I've done a major thing. You know, that death episode is responsible for a for a great fucking week because I have just been listening to so much of it, and uh, it's funny actually as well. Is <laughs> is a perfect example of my working day. I get in my car listening to Eddie Rabbit on the way to work. I love a rainy <laughs> night it, just because it's early in the morning and I need something kind of cheery to, to perk me up. By the end of the day, I had fucking killing spree by death on the way home <laughs> and I just needed that catharsis. But um, yeah, overall, this Megadeth album is one of the greats and one of the greats for a reason. It's just fucking rad. Absolutely. Um, cool. So, so I, I like where we're going here. So on to my number four. So we've gone with your more traditional side of metal. We've come over and we've done some glam metal. We did a little bit of thrash metal. And now I'm going to pull us, I'm going to yank us by our, the backs of our shirts, totally out of the world of rock music completely, because hey. I could not do, I could not do a 1986 top five without including license to ill by the beastie oh, boys this is yeah. such an important album for me another one that my mom purchased for me this was a different occasion where i saw the video for fight for your, fight for your right to party i was already um into run dmc at the time and i remember i wrote i, I would I, my mom would take me to school and i would write down on one of those little those spiral ta uh, tablets and I would, yeah. I would write down an album that I wanted my mom to look for, and I would give it to her. And while I was at school, she would go buy it for me. And this was a, one of those occasions where I came home and License to Ill on cassette was waiting for me. And I've never been the same since. Is it the best <laughs> Beastie Boys album? Absolutely not. <laughs> it is. <laughs> some of it, some of it is, has aged in a very funny way. <laughs> it's, uh, the, 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 the kind of frat bro... Um, stuff that they were they were putting into their songs, <laughs> knowing now that they were kind of taking the piss a lot of the time, it, it makes it more enjoyable. But unfortunately for them at the time, those very people that they were kind of mocking ended up being really into it. Um, yeah. But to be fair, <laughs> "Fight for Your Right to Party" and "No Sleep Till Brooklyn" have never been my favorite tracks off of the album, and those are the two like guitar ones. Yeah. Um, doesn't but Kerry King play the solos on those? He did on No Sleep Till Brooklyn. I'm not sure about Five. I think Five Your Right may have been um, Rick Rubin that played guitar on that or something like that. I don't know. Because um, Rick Rubin produced that, um, which, you know, was a big it was a big deal. I mean, around 1986, Rick Rubin was doing so much good shit on in the yeah. rock world and in the hip hop world. And um but yeah, Beastie Boys uh, licensed it. Well, first of all, I love the Beastie Boys, everything they did. But Licensed to Ill is just a it's a it's the supreme example of putting on an album and transporting me back to feeling like a kid and just the world is in front of you and your 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 mind is being open to all of this music. Like that's that's the thing that was so special to me about 1986 is because I was simultaneously getting really into heavy rock music and hip hop at the same time. And it didn't feel weird to me at all. Um, I yeah. didn't have, I, I mean, I was only eight years old, so I didn't have, you know, 
assholes out there being like, oh, you can't listen to that shit. That's fucking stupid. You got to meddle all the time. Like there was none of that. I didn't know those people. I had no clue. I was just listening to what felt good to me, which is what we should all do, folks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so, but yeah, it, it's, it's an important album to me. And it's it, 1986, when I think 1986, License to Ill is the album I think of. I know that there's big metal albums, but for some reason, this is just an album that not only was it big in my life, but it was big, I, I'm assuming all around the world, but in the U.S. for sure, it was massive. Yeah. Um, everybody owned it. Everybody loved it. The album has since been certified diamond with for sales, wow. which I think is... I don't know what that actually means. It's like, is that the billions? I don't fucking know. I, I, I think it's a certain amount of times platinum, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's that's pretty crazy. There's a, I think there's only a, a couple dozen albums that have gone diamond or something like that. But, um, wow. but yeah, it's just it's just so much fun. Um, it still sounds really good. Like the the that style of hip hop with the the like the eight oh eight kick drum sound. I guess it wouldn't necessarily be considered a kick drum, but you know what I mean, bass bass drum sound. <laughs> um, I, I like that era of the the real sparse open production that rap was doing. It was it wasn't trying to jam in a whole bunch of sounds. It was yeah. it was little accents here and there, and the the most important part was that boom tap boom tap you know of the song, like it was the yeah. or boom bap as some people would later say. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, it's just an album that that has aged with me um, and never gone away. So that's why I have it as my number four. Awesome. We've got a hell of a variety here so far. Hell yeah. And uh, I'm actually, we've got our first uh, repeat. My number three is Night Songs by Cinderella. Yeah. I, I had to include this one too. It's such a badass glam metal album. And it it does definitely have a harder edge than than many glam metal bands, you know, contrary to what the quote unquote girly band name and androgynous look would kind of tell you. Yeah. Um, and it it's just like such a, a fucking like all of the songs on it just rule. Like where is it? I got it here. Let me let me find the track list. Skibbity boo Goes night songs into Shake Me, into Nobody's Fool. I'm not even oh. looking right now. Hold on. We're, yeah. See, actually, I, ju- I just want to say, not giving too much away for like the Cinderella episode, which we'll eventually get to. We will, for sure. But, oh, man, I think the album really takes off in the middle. You know, you get nothing for nothing once around the ride. Hell on Wheels. Hell on Wheels is one of those songs that I have to be careful when driving <laughs> because I have definitely hit about 90 doing this song and not realized it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. Somebody save me in from the outside. Push, push is a tune. Oh, it, and back home again, this album feels like my friend kind of described it to me as eighties ACDC, like, which it's got it's got similar qualities like i could see that yeah it and and you know that gritty voice the harder sounding riffs and to be honest it does sound a little bit more stripped back than some of the other clan bands you know yeah. they didn't really have 
keys and the only time they did was in the ballads you know and oh this, this album even looking at the this is a clear-cut case like I, I know you said about we talked about the artwork this evokes a nostalgia in me that is totally irrational because i didn't <laughs> I, I wasn't even a fucking sperm and yeah. i i kind of feel like i know what that alleyway's mood felt like yeah. yeah. Well, if, from what I read, it was actually daylight outside, and then they affected the picture to make it look like it was dark. <laughs> they put a nighttime filter on it. So I, I guess <laughs> whatever whatever the equivalent would have been in '86. That's it, it's so cool. Like even down to like the zebra spandex pants, the yeah. big ass like pink cowboy boots. The the hair goes without saying, but the pink purple smoke in the background is just. And so many other bands tried to redo that style where, where the artwork was just how, how they looked. I mean, I guess, you know, Poison did that if it was the same year. But then yeah. you had like, you know, your Britney Foxes and bands like that where the, their covers were just them, how they looked. And yeah. sometimes I, I don't think anyone ever got it as right as Cinderella did on this one. It's like the, the only example I can think of where the glam band is just on the cover where it looks cool. Like yeah. usually it looks kind of funny in a, in a, in a very <laughs> likable way, but you know, all I know about with Brittany Fox is I'm all like, those are some ugly fucking dudes, man. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the, the thing that really strikes me though, is, um, the fact that, you know, night songs has a photo of them on the cover. There's quite a lot going on in the image. The album that immediately follows it up is just white it, it it's yeah you know long cold winter it just has the logo and the title of the album at the bottom and it looks really sophisticated you know it's kind of as if to say yeah we were in an alleyway last time now we're all we're, we're very we're awful awfully we're, sophisticated. we're lost in the snow <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, yeah, that's, it, that that album and and night songs are always kind of battling it out for number one in the yeah. Cinderella canon for me, which we'll we'll get to that one day and we'll see. I have to make it. I'll have to make a decision, but I don't have to yet. <laughs> I also want to make a note: no other ballad video, not even November Rain, in my opinion, is as good as the video for "Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone." Oh the, yeah, the final shot of them at the end stood by that lake playing their instruments together silhouetted against that pink sunset is one of the most 80s things yeah, ever put on film. not only that you got you got tom Kiefer playing the piano on the hillside or whatever yeah. you know it's um it's pretty not on night songs but still uh, worth talking about also if you think about it that song and nobody's fool um, they're ballads, but they're not. Neither one of them is happy ballads. Like, no, they, they have a sad tone. Yeah, they're both. They're both about losing somebody. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I mean, it's, what what more can we say about about uh, night songs? Yeah, night songs, badass album. And if you wrote off glam, listen to this fucking album and tell me it's not just a badass hard rock record. It's the it's it's up there with like what Rat were doing um, with just it was more hard rock, yeah than than glam, um, but yeah it's fucking cool, cool fucking album totally. Okay, so moving on to my number three. Uh, so um, 
there's going to be some doubling up. It already happened hey. with Night Songs, and it's now going to happen again with my number three, which is Peace Sells But Who's Buying by Megadeth. Hey. And um, something tells me this is not the last time we will double up on this list. And um, <laughs> so um, I, I can't really add much more about Peace Sells. It's um, one of my favorite Megadeth albums. It, it, it's, I, I, I like the fact that it's got so much about it that isn't, like, I don't know, run of the mill, I guess. Um, yeah. not, not only when it comes to coming from their first album to this album, it's not the same old shit, but also with other shit that was going on in metal at the time, it's, it's got its own thing going on. And it's, it, I, I'm, like I said, I like the, the, um, unconventional structure of wake up dead or that, I, I guess, the conjuring's kind of like that as well. And well, I guess there's a couple examples of that. Um, you can uh, say that for pretty much all of the tracks really. Yeah. Like, and, um, I think that's what keeps it so fresh for me is the fact that it's not, it, it, it still has little surprises, you know, things that I know very well, but they still come out and I'm like, ah, oh yeah. It's like, it's not, <laughs> you, you're not, a, I'm not anticipating it and already know it's going to happen as much as other albums. Um, but it, this is just, you know, to me, like it, this is like the, yeah, you, I mean, you made the, the point that this was the, the big eighties album for Megadeth. And I agree, this is the best thing they put out in the eighties and it even, you know, album cover wise, which we talked about on that one video episode, it's just got the whole package going on for me and it just, it's it's got its own character to it, and that's what makes it stand out from yeah. all the other shit, um, even shit that was really good. And um, I yeah, it's there's not much more to say. It's a great album. It's an album that I still love to listen to today. Um, and Megadeth is a band that um, overall, when it comes to the shit that they put out uh, from, I, when I say shit, I mean I don't mean it's bad. <laughs> But um, from the late 90s until now, they've never done anything as good as, you know, Peace Cells, Rust in Peace, Countdown to Extinction. Those, those are three really big albums for me. And it's, it's unfortunate because I feel like they have it in them to do something amazing. And almost every time they put out a new record, one of the members says, this is the best thing we've done since Rust in Peace. And then you hear it and you go, it's good, but... Come on. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, they've, they've never done anything that I would consider bad, uh, but there's, there's something that's so unique about what they were doing in the 80s and early 90s that it's, it, it's either rehashed in what they're doing or they're, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I'm asking you, like, you're going to be in my brain. Um, just their, the, the path that they're going down, whatever, their execution of things, it just seems less adventurous. And I think yeah. it's because metal has been going on for so long now that it's kind of hard. You get kind of, you can, you get stuck inside of metal type things. And I think in 1986, that hadn't happened yet. Bands didn't yeah. feel stuck because there was no rule book. There were no, um, you know, there were, there were metal publications, but I think even back then they were a lot more open to like bands trying different things. And, um, P cells is a great example of a band 
just doing what came naturally and not giving a shit. And it churned out a fucking masterpiece of the eighties metal scene. So there you go. My number three. Awesome. Yep. Totally. Totally agree. Uh, for me, my number two now, now here, here's a, here's a spicy one. Spicy. I've gone, I've gone for the final countdown by Europe. I, I knew this was going to show up here. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I fucking love 80s keyboards and taking the 80s kind of big hair thing and covering it in a copious amount of synth is automatic bonus points right out of the gate. But, uh, you know, there's excellent performances on all fronts. Mm-hmm. It It's a very tune after tune album. Yep. And I feel like Europe don't get talked about enough in the 80s big hair thing you know you you always get like your motley crew your your van halen your poison and europe finds its way into the playlists and stuff but that's why that's kind of why they were the first metal history i did the glam metal history episode i did on europe because i was interested on in in giving uh, a band a little bit more airtime than I thought they got, but like God, let let's look let's look up the songs. So we're so let's, they were from Sweden, Sweden, yeah. And I, I feel like maybe the reason why they didn't get the and still don't get the love that they deserve is because I feel like that era of rock music, everyone is so focused on England and America. It's like yeah. that's it. Anything from the outskirts is a is kind of a an odd band out. It's pretty much L.A. and Iron Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could but, say that. Um, yeah, yeah. It's um, oh God. Final countdown goes without saying. Rock the night. Carry. Danger on the track. Ninja Cherokee. Cherokee. Uh, oh. So fucking good. Like, every single one of the songs on here makes me feel like I want to go watch The Karate Kid. You know, it's such an 80s It makes me feel like I want to go watch Hot Rod because it's essentially the soundtrack to the movie Hot Rod because almost every song from that album is on the movie Hot Rod, which if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's uh, If you like really dumb comedies, do yourself a favor. (laughs) Um, it's like it's it's Andy Samberg. It's the lo- the Lonely Island guys. You know the the group, yeah. the Lonely Island. It's a movie that they did together, but it's not like a Lonely Island movie. It's more of a, I think it was produced by Lauren Michaels from Saturday Night Live. So it's got that yeah. kind of vibe to it. But it is dumb in the best possible way. <laughs> but there's like at least four or five songs from Final Countdown on that movie. Yeah. So yeah, I, it is a it's a great kind of like montage music song like this this whole i always i i have a soft spot for rock that sounds like it could be in the rocky four soundtrack and (laughs) you know it's it's just got that perfect amount of 80s-ness now now i'm trying to think of what was the montage song in rocky four like i can almost i can almost hear it well, you've got like three fucking montages in the movie, so well, I'm, know, think, I'm like, thinking. I'm thinking of the one where he's training by pulling the logs and stuff, and then Drago or whatever is in the. That's um, he, 
Hearts on fire, <laughs> strong teeth. Who, who did that? Oh. Sammy Hagar, probably. <laughs> oh. Oh. There's another one. Uh, no easy way out, Robert Tepper. There's no easy way out. By the way, working on an EP, there's a montage song on it. It's fucking rad. It's one of my proudest moments. <laughs> But uh, I want to go. I'm going to go do that. I'm, I, I need to go look up all of the 80s montage songs and just make a playlist for myself. And then I'll p- play it when I'm working out. That'd be like an exercise. Yeah. But that, why have I not done that already? That is the that is the you're most luck. perfect idea. <laughs> you're in luck because you're talking to the guy that has an 80s montage playlist. And I will nice. I will send it to you. In actual fact, I might I might just make it public. I don't have Spotify, but send send me the uh, send me the the song list or something. Because I'm even Will thinking do. about like like over the top. Meet me halfway, <laughs> like that song. There's yeah. so many so many good ones. And then of course, like you, you like a, a montage song that always sticks out to me is from the movie Rad, the the BMX yeah. movie, and it's Thunder. that. Well, there's that one, but then there's also "Send Me an Angel." Like that one oh is later God. on in the. <laughs> That's it. That's another episode. Top ten montage songs. God, but shit, man, could just ten? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Fuck it. That's gonna be a 24 hour live stream. We're gonna review every single one. And you can't. And we. And, and it, you can't cheat and use the montage song from "Is It Team America?" Where they're all like talking about a montage. Montage. <laughs> I, I I gotta say I I included the America <laughs> fuck yeah in the playlist just because it's got oh, the do, 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 do. yeah it's pretty perfect but now yeah oh. that, I, that's that's definitely something I need to do because I'm all like always looking for motivational music for when I'm on the elliptical thing and I'm just like yeah. oh man why am I not already doing like a Rocky style montage playlist and so. It's going to happen. Another tangent, folks, but this is, uh, this is what happens on this show. <laughs> one, one last thing. One last thing on this tangent before, before we close it. I want to I give a little plug here to a guy called Hugh Myrone. He does <laughs> like... Say, Hugh <laughs> G. Rection. <laughs> <laughs> My old buddy. Oh, oh man. The, <laughs> where is it? <laughs> Okay, now, did I tell that story on the podcast well, about did your I, erection? I don't know. <laughs> I, have, I, have I not told you the huge erection thing? No. <laughs> oh, I, okay. I got to tell that one as well. Okay. First, first, my shout out for Hugh Myrone. Where is it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, I don't mean to make fun of the dude's name. <laughs> uh, well, hey, hey, why don't you Hugh Myrone, motherfucker? <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a video game soundtrack called Drift Stage Volume One. I don't think the video game ever came out, but the soundtrack did, and the soundtrack is fucking amazing. And it's that it's exactly that kind of '80s montage lead guitar shit. Yeah, Mwah. so fucking good. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, back to the huge erection. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so I got a good story here. So. Back in back in high school, they would put out little surveys for the students to take, so that um, they could find out if there was anything that they could improve on. You know, has this? You know, it was like a disagree, strongly disagree, agree, 
strongly agree kind of thing. You yeah. tick the multiple choice box and handed it back in. Well, the thing is, me and a few of my friends didn't really take it very seriously, but I was the only person to put a fake name on it. So I put <laughs> I put Hugh G. Rection in the name, and everybody else put their normal names. Now, I didn't know that they were going to trace this back to me. So, <laughs> <laughs> essentially, I handed it in, and about like a couple days later, we had like a, a registration uh, room thing right at the start of the day. And they said, um, hey, uh, Will, my, na- my name's Will outside of the Eddie Sparks. Shh, we don't, I'm going ble- to bleep that out. Nobody <laughs> needs to know your real name. Nobody knows my real name. <laughs> Remain, it, it will re- forever remain it will forever remain a mystery it's just eddie and old head <laughs> but um yeah so anyway they said uh hey eddie um did you do the survey and i was, and I was like survey <laughs> survey you say and they were like well we traced it back and we and, and we could only nail it down to a mr hugh g rection you wouldn't happen to know anyone about like called that or anything did they just think that you were the only dude that would have done that (laughs) oh well the thing is like (laughs) everyone in the class erupts in laughter yeah and proudest high school moment yeah (laughs) those are those getting people to do those is one of the most rewarding things it's almost as rewarding as as d's nuts when you can get a good d's nuts on somebody oh Um, yeah those are always good too but um you like you like tapes and cds I'm going to tape my dick to your forehead so you can see these nuts. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my, no, my version of that was always, um, do you prefer cassettes or CDs? And then they would be like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be smooth and pick cassettes. And I'd be like, cool, I'm going to cassette these nuts in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Where great. were we? What were we talking uh, about? Uh, final countdown, I think. Oh, final countdown. <laughs> yes. Okay. There yeah. you go. Let's. <laughs> like that, where that meme of the car like skidding back into uh, onto the, into the exit or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> we're back on track. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah, one of the most eighties sounding eighties albums ever. Like, yeah. when it comes to eighties rock, I feel like eighty six, eighty seven is kind of the peak of that sound. Mm-hmm. After eighty seven, it starts to get a bit more stripped back again. With yeah you know guns and roses and you know faster pussycat and things like that yeah that whole kind of like sleaze rock kind of thing yep. but um yeah the 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 big synthesizer stuff really peaked around this point and i'm a slut for shit like that yeah, yeah. excellent excellent album and the final countdown is also one of the albums from that grocery store where i pulled it out and saw the cover and i said these dudes have some long hair going on and I, and I like science fiction. There's some spacey shit looking on here. (laughs) And so I got it. And it was another one that I listened to all the time. Um, back in, back in 86. Awesome. But it is not my number two. Um, do tell once again, um, I'm going to, I'm going to keep, this is going to be, I'm sorry for people that want a variety of albums for us to talk about, but I'm going to double up again with you. My number two, is uh, Somewhere in Time by Iron oh, Maiden. Nice. Um, I love Somewhere in Time. It is mm. 
Now, Iron Maiden is not a band that I listened to back then because that was kind of beyond the stuff that I was into. It seemed a little bit more uh, mature uh, to an eight-year-old kid. Um, I didn't get into Maiden until probably until Fear of the Dark. That was probably the first wow. time the first time I really wanted to listen to Maiden because I would on Headbangers Ball they would play like Run to the Hills and stuff like that. But for some reason, I, I was full on into like the thrash metal thing, and that just didn't do it for me in the same way. But uh, eventually, I came on board, and Iron Maiden has you know become one of my favorite bands. And somewhere in time, I, I just there's you said all most of the things that I can say about it. It's just great song after great song. Um, Wasted Years is just one of those classic songs that I think is going to live on forever. Yeah. Um, but I love, um, you know, Heaven Can Wait is, um, I, I love that one. Um, Stranger in a Strange Land. It's just, uh, the band was on such a trajectory of just constantly putting out great albums in a short period of time, a couple, a couple of years or, or less in between albums, but they were just on fire with, yeah. with not only, you know, having ideas for songs and stuff, but, you know, constantly pushing their sound forward. And th that kept going until I guess you would say no prayer for the dying isn't really a step forward, but at least it's different. And that's why I like that album. But, um, somewhere in time has just got everything. This is another one where the the album cover is just so amazing and um it 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 evokes you know like I look at it and I hear songs from somewhere in time playing and yeah. I, honestly the only I, I guess I understand at the time people not being that jazzed about this album because a lot of bands started to do the synthesizer thing and I think um, Maiden were very vocal about, no, we're never going to do that. And then yeah. what did they do? They went and fucking did that. And um, so I guess I could see that at the time, people being like, come on, everyone, you're jumping on this bandwagon of using synths. But I, I, I just think that it, time has told that it was a good idea. Like so, like even even some bands now that try to do kind of a throwback sound, they all have the atmospheric kind of synths underneath yeah. stuff a lot of them do it and um maiden always did it in a really classy way in my opinion and yeah it never it never overtook their core sound it just became another thing to kind of set a tone it yeah. didn't it didn't you know like you say there are no like guitar solos like you find on turbo for example <laughs> yeah there's not there's yeah. not even you know main melodies that are played on keys that i can remain uh, remember yeah, but, um, solely for a textural purpose more than anything. Sure, yeah. And I think it works, especially just with the growth of the band, just getting a little bit more progressive. And um, yeah, that's just, it's, I don't know. To me now, you know, however many years later, 35 plus years later or whatever, listening to how their albums play out album by album, it feels so natural. Like it yeah. just seems like, like that's the way it was supposed to go, and it feels right. And um, over the like years, like next logical step kind of thing. Yeah, with without being predictable. Like it still mm. has a 
has a exciting quality to it. And it's, it's my number two because it's an album that over the years has become one that I want to go to more often. When it comes to Maiden, there's a, there's a handful of Maiden albums that I will always listen to, and the other ones are good, but I keep going back to these handful of albums, and Somewhere in Time is one of those. I also just love the way it sounds, especially on vinyl. I have an yeah. old-school vinyl version of it, and it just sounds good. 80s, sounds 80s music sounds great on vinyl. It really and, does, yeah. And And so... That's why I'm fanatical about getting original pressings of these because I just love the way that it sounds. And even if it's got some crackle on the vinyl, I don't give a shit. It just sounds great. So I find that adds to it adds to it as well because like really in, in the eighties that was how it was intended to be listened to. You know, cassettes yeah. were a thing for sure. And it, you know, CDs were there, but they were for like the rich that yeah. could afford it. So yeah. you know. Um, it wasn't until the 90s that CDs and that ultra clear kind of thing became normal. So you were always going to have like a little bit of crackle. So it, it's cool to hear it in a way that it was intended. Yeah. And it it's cool like that because I've noticed as well, I didn't, I always thought that I was just like a sick, twisted individual that couldn't escape the past. But it turns out there is a lot to be said for how certain things either look or sound on certain equipment. And I know we had a video game tangent and I'm going to keep it very short, but you know, you know, there's like esports competitions where people will play like a nineties video game tournament or something at like a convention center. Okay. They very often for games like, you know, Mario 64 or like PS one or just any old game from before, from before flat screens were normal. Yeah you find that the movement looks smoother on the old screens, So they use these old tube TVs instead. So like the, the big ones with the box on the back, they find that it a is more accurate to the time period, but B actually is easier to run on that equipment. Cause it doesn't look outdated on that equipment. And I guess and that's, that's, that's how it was designed. It was designed to be on those, yeah. the, with the what they call what they call it the cathode ray or whatever tube yeah, kind of C- thing CRT cathode ray tube yeah so um, yeah so yeah I agree and 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 so that's why a lot of these albums I mean I own all of these albums on vinyl that we're talking about and I think I do as well and yeah yeah and it's just cool. it's just a time period where it just I just love the way the shit sounds and I can't really add much more about somewhere in time it's just an amazing album and my number two so now. I I have a weird feeling yeah. that we're just going to be uh, doing a circle jerk here to our joint number one, but maybe second I'm wrong. Consecutive, <laughs> second consecutive matchup for first place two episodes in a row. But really, when we're dealing with this band, it's always going to happen, don't you think? Yeah. So go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. You, you, go, you go first with this one. Your number one. Okay. Our number one. Uh, Turbo Judas Priest. Nah, uh, um, uh, it's um, Master, Master of Puppets, Metallica. <laughs> yup. Is there is there any other album that could have been number one? I mean, come on, people. It's it is the <laughs> it's the undisputed champion for me. It had to be this legendary album. But you know, do you know what I just realized now that somebody out there, probably not just one person, 
They're out rain there right blood? Yeah, they're like, no <laughs> fucking rain in blood. <laughs> you yes. time to put final countdown, but not rain in blood. Poser. Yeah. That's what you know what? That's we're just a couple of posers here. Um, <laughs> but uh, but we're being honest. And um, yeah, that, out of all these albums, I've listened to Master of Puppets probably a hundred percent more <laughs> than the other four albums we're talking Easily. about. Easily. Yeah. So you you go ahead. You start it off. Now, this is an album that very easily could be called an album I never need to hear again because I've heard it so many times. Yeah, agreed. But I I never want that to happen because I know sometimes I wake up and know today's a Master of Puppets Day, hands mm-hmm. down. Nothing else is going to quench that thirst because there's a production style to this album that fucking rules. All of the performances on here are phenomenal. Fucking 10 out of 10 song after song. And even the album's deeper cuts are still wildly influential. Yeah. It, it's such... A, it, this could be... Is this the most iconic album we've talked about yet? Um, I mean, iconic... Mm, probably we're just talking about a particular album i would say so because just talking about the 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 scope of the influence of the album not just not just through time but across borders like worldwide i think everybody (laughs) that listens to rock and roll at all and a lot of people who don't still know master of puppets um, yeah. Even if it's just from the artwork, you've seen the artwork or whatever. And yeah, I would say probably it's probably the most iconic album we've talked about. I mean, fuck, it's, it's been over here in America. They, they put it in the Library of Congress. Yeah. So And there's, there's so been cool. a handful of albums they've done that with. Uh, but that may be the only metal one, I think, that's in there. I think it is. I think it is the only metal album in there at, the, at this time. Yeah. So that's, but, that's, um, that says something. It's it's just such a oh, it rules. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, I almost feel like the, the this should literally should have been us both saying "Master of Puppets" and then we drop the mic and then we walk away and there's just silence <laughs> just, <laughs> because Wee! there's like nothing else that needs to be said about. I mean, everyone's everyone talks about this album, and yes, you are right. It does. It's been overplayed, but because it's so fucking good, like it's yeah. to me, Master of Puppets is like, um, like the you ha- you have like a, a t shirt that you love wearing and you've worn it for years, and every time you put it on, you're just like, well, there you go, like a Master of Puppets t shirt. Yeah, um, you put With it the on sleeves and, cut off. <laughs> yeah, that's that's appropriate. Um, Hell yeah! But the but it's just if it, it's like that, you, it's something comfortable that sure it's not anything new but it feels great. And, Mm. um, and to me, master of puppets, while it's not my favorite Metallica album, it has a vibe to it that feels like, I don't know if you can just fall into this album and let it take you away. And it's got everything in it. It's got the really fast shit. It's got melodic things going on in it. It's, got some progressive uh odd time you know odd time changes and shit like that in it and um it just hits 
it checks all of the boxes for metal with me. The title track, in my opinion, is the perfect metal song. Yeah. Master, Master of Puppets has it all. It it's it's pretty much got everything else the album has to offer. You know, it's got speed, technicality, slow melodic sections, and just overall badassery in every facet of its existence. You know, yeah, I, I would have loved to have been there and seen them laying down the tracks for for this absolute legend of a you know slab of vinyl this i i love um i saw i saw a uh like a video a camcorder performance from the master of puppets tour that they went on right after like the album i think had been out like a week yeah and i'm just like imagining what did that feel like to everybody in the crowd this album was brand spanking new and they're playing, you know, they they start off with battery or whatever, you know, yeah. like Blew I, I just the fuck away. <laughs> like I like I didn't listen to Metallica in 1986, um, mm. so I'm just like, what did that fucking feel like? Did everyone in the room know? Like, was it like, oh shit, man, <laughs> we're yeah. this is shit we're gonna <laughs> be talking about, and other dudes are gonna be talking about for decades to come. Yeah, um, and that's that's amazing. It's amazing to me. The the taking it all the way back to making something that has that big of an influence. And, and you know that they had no clue. I bet you they, I bet you at that point they already knew they were badass and they were pretty sure that people were going to love this, but I don't think yeah. they even had a clue that it would live on or the band would live on the way that they have. Well, and, this is, this is still what the, you know, this is before Cliff's death. Yeah. So you, they hadn't really had any, not 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 within the band, you know. I know James had faced a few things. Like when did his his mum passed away when he was like sixteen, wasn't yeah, it, or yeah. something like that? Pretty, he was pretty so, young. Yeah, so you know, obviously they'd had like personal tragedies, but nothing within the band, so to speak. Maybe no. other than the rock, rocky breakup with Dave Mustaine. I feel I feel but, like once Kill 'Em All came out, the band had no speed bumps aside from yeah. you, know, you know James breaking his arm occasionally or something like that. <laughs> but um, but you know it seemed yeah. like they were just kind of on a roll. And well, that's the thing. Like coming off of Kill 'Em All, which fucking ripped yeah then coming out one year later with fucking ride the lightning yeah and then just two years later dropping this yeah whole other level whole other level whole other level completely yeah it's it, yeah it, it's it's my it like it's it's my number one but it is miles above the other four albums that i talked about um, yeah this is one of those it's yeah, it's it's huge, and um, it's uh, uh, yeah. I don't I don't see um, the it, it, it it's weird how an album like Master Puppet Puppets simultaneously gets people getting bent out of shape if you don't say it's the best Metallica album, but then at the other end of the, are the people who are just over it because they've heard it so many times. Like there's something about an <laughs> album like this that it just, it it just storms down the middle of creating these groups of people that are just, you know, I, I don't know, so different in their, in their viewpoint on the album. My favorite song on the album, 
um, is the thing that should not be. Yeah. It never gets old to me. It's just the most, at that point, it's the most sort of, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for? It's like slow, heavy. They yeah. hadn't done anything Groovy, like that sludgy. yet. Um, yeah. they, they mean, they've done, they did slower tempos, but just that. It's just a heavy song. And I just, and it's also got the, the chorus of the song has the like invisible orange part. The hunter of the shadows is raising. Like it's, it's just big. It is just big. And, and also this is probably vocally my favorite um James Hetfield performances are on this album although I do love and justice for all and and even the black album I think he sounds amazing yeah. on both of those but this is the most iconic uh James Hetfield thing like if you were going to sample you know the James Hetfield Hetfield vocal I feel like it would be on Master of Puppets he just yeah it was just that sweet spot where he he was just getting more comfortable enough with doing more melodic things with his voice and getting really good at it, but hadn't yet, yeah. you know, gone so far to, you know, being extreme that he blows his shit out. <laughs> well, that's the thing, like, that, that there's moments on Kill Em All where it sounds like, like, puberty still hadn't gone away yet you know <laughs> and then you then you get to then you get to ride the lightning which has like you know he's good at singing yeah you know but he hasn't quite you know nailed his own style yet he's still kind of getting used to it by master of puppets he is just barking it out with total confidence yeah and i feel like know? maybe maybe the success the band was having made him feel more confident and that that helps it helps godlike <laughs> yeah it helps bring that thing across but yeah um i don't really know what else we can say about master of puppets it is just a it's a masterpiece it's one of yeah. the one of the best albums ever made in my opinion and um it's it stands on its own really like it's it, this is the iconic metallica album the the yeah. the quintessential I guess whereas you know if it's the I, album cover you see the most often that that too but it really it's one that you know if they picked an album by Metallica to to induct into the Library of Congress they'd be like well this should be it this is the album yeah. that hundreds of years from now when this music is starting to get forgotten um, I think that's the one that should live on as the example of what Metallica yeah. was capable of and why they ended up becoming the fucking massive band that they still are today. So, uh, Hey, joint number one, high five. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not done yet. Um, we totally, I've got, I've narrowed, I've narrowed, this was a big year for music in 1986. And I've, I managed to narrow down my honorable mentions to five. So I wouldn't just be listing albums for an hour. Um, I've, I've got eight. I've eight. got eight. I'm well, not too I, bad, but <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you go first because you'll probably talk about at least a couple that are on my list. Okay. Um, so there's "Dancing Undercover" by Rat. Mm -hmm. Not not my favorite Rat album, but still, '80s Rat. It's a very strong album. Yeah. Y yeah. Um, Fahrenheit by Toto. You're always going to hear me mention Toto. Love Toto. <laughs> um, this album, they they got another singer. Um, and 
they kind of went in a little bit more of a poppy direction, but it's it's still Toto doing great fucking session musician levels of music. I'll, I'm going to drop Toto whenever I can. Um, oh, so many good ones. Inside the Electric Circus by Wasp. You know, okay. Wasp just, for me, consistently put out great stuff throughout the 80s. And it was, it, they are on that hard edge of, they are about as heavy as glam looking stuff I've ever got. Like they weren't really a glam band by the sound kind of thing, but yeah, looks looks wise, they got lumped in because they were eighties metal. Well, they were over the top with their look, even though if it, even though it wasn't yeah. glam. The 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 difference being, you know, they would you know rip apart raw meat on stage with their teeth <laughs> yeah and um you know they'd put groupies on a rack and shit like that <laughs> and I, th- I think if i if i remember right i think metallica toured with them they um, did either yeah. before master of puppets or during master because i know master of puppets was also the tour where they hooked up with ozzy for a yeah. while but um, it might have been ride the lightning yeah um, I, yeah may have been but yeah rain and blood you and I both got to talk about this one. Yeah, you know. yeah. It, we, it, this one, this one nearly made my top five. Same, totally. And it's, and it's like, only it's only because um, it's an album that I love and I think is amazing, but it doesn't. I don't want to put it on as much as these other five. Um, yeah, and so it just it had to get bumped out. But it, 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 in the beginning, it was in my top five. It just kind of got inched out when I really started to think about how I feel about the music we're talking about. It was it was like a narrow, narrow thing between Rain and Blood and kind of Peace Cells because I was like, I've got to put at least two of the big four here. Yeah. I mean um, at the at the end of the day though, for me, I would rather have an album with variety and different yeah. kind of tempo changes and song styles. And while Rain and Blood is amazing, it is it you get kind of the same kind of vibe over and over again. Yeah. So it's well it's it's also less than 30 minutes long and it's mostly <laughs> tremolo picking. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we talked about this album enough when we did our, uh, our Slayer ranking. So if you haven't listened to the Slayer ranking, we did a, a two-part on that Slayer. One. Yeah, go do that. <laughs> um, then you got The Ultimate Sin, Aussie. Kind yep. of like Aussie's... What, that was his like blonde perm era. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and he was a bit chubby at that point too, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna cover a little bit of that in the uh, um, upcoming Black Sabbath history part two, the eighties. Yeah, oh, if you yeah. Guys, yeah, if you guys haven't gone and watched it yet, the Eddie's Black Sabbath history part one is up on his YouTube channel, and it is finally great. It is great. If you, got, you, I mean, there's a reason why you know I ended up hooking up with this dude, and it's because once I saw his videos, I'm just like, this is. This dude is on another level. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> the 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 big videos take a lot of a lot of time and effort, so it's I'm I'm glad to hear it pay off. <laughs> hell, hell yeah! Like I don't the, the, I, I watch those videos and I'm just like you should have double the subscribers that I have, but I guess your <laughs> your output is not as often. So yeah, um, the algorithm takes me into it because I'm throwing shit out there, but. Um, I'm seeing growth. I'm seeing growth though. In the last in the last month, I've got like an, at least one new subscriber a day. 
So it's, it's exponential. I'm seeing it pick up. I'm seeing it pick up. If if uh, if you're listening and you're not subscribed, please please do it. Do it. I, I need subs. I need subs, man. Do yourself I need a them favor. Subs. But yeah, ultimate sin. Um, I'll talk about this in a minute. It's on my list. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Uh, I've got to drop in here as well. Uh, trilogy by uh, Yngwie Malmsteen. That's a, you know, if you like neoclassical shred paired with like big eighties dragon slaying shit. <laughs> have you have you have you seen the album art for this for this album? I'm sure I have. I just I don't recall it right off the bat. It's the one of him like fighting a dragon with his guitar oh yeah okay it's so cool um but yeah and then finally for my honorable mentions i had to put turbo by judas priest yeah it's one of my favorite it's one of my favorite judas priest albums i love 80s priest it's a great album um good time uh, so my first uh runner-up uh was rain and blood we already talked about that so i don't need to really go into that um, my second runner-up is uh, is another big album from 1986 for me, and that was uh, Raising Hell by Run DMC. Uh, huge album. It was the album that got me into hip-hop. Um, yeah. be- well, it started off with the Aerosmith collaboration, Walk This Way, is on there, which I liked it, but that didn't make me want to get the album. I didn't go and, and get Raising Hell until I heard the first track on the album, which is called Peter Piper, which is a straight up hip hop track. And I just went, this kind of music is out there. I want it. (laughs) And so, um, the, so the same thing, that's why I'm saying it was simultaneous me getting into hard rock stuff and, and, uh, hip hop stuff at the same time. And raising hell is an album that is so special to me and important in my life. Um, one that you didn't bring up, but I've mentioned a couple times, uh, Poison, Look What the Cat Dragged In, came oh, out in, shit. in, in yeah. 1986. Um, nowhere, yeah, nowhere, this. in my opinion, nowhere near as good as um, uh, uh, Open Up and Say Ah. But I love the rawness of this album because you could say that, oh, yeah, they were just this big, you know, uh, manufactured kind of sound. But I'm like, no, they were dudes that were... They were ham and egg in it. Like they were out there, you know, you know, you know, trying their hardest and playing, you know, you know, promoting and playing shows. And they came up from nothing just like everybody else. And I love the fact that look what the cat dragged in sounds like an album that would have been made by a band making millions of dollars, but they weren't at that point. (laughs) They (laughs) They were just beginning. And I just love that vibe of the, of the, the, it's not, it's not insanely well produced, but it's yeah. got that vibe of like, oh, these dudes are already rock stars and they just started. <laughs> so. I think that the, the funniest like story I've heard uh, for, of like about Poison in the early days is uh, when they bought an old ambulance as their like tour van yeah. to move from like Pennsylvania to L.A. And they spent the entire ride there wondering how many people had died in that fucking thing (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah cool cool stories yeah Yeah. that's pretty rock and roll though really yeah Um, my last two you've already mentioned uh rat dancing undercover i love rat i love i I like every rat album but especially the 80s output from rat i think is amazing um i did a rat album ranking back in the day a video version of it 
And I still get comments today. Like I think it was even today, some dude is commenting like, how could you put reach for the sky above dancing <laughs> undercover or whatever it is? And I'm just like, people are so funny because it's like, it's clearly my opinion, but yet yeah. people still get bent out of shape. Like, I can't even listen to you. And I'm like, dude, you're, talking, like you're, you're talking about <laughs> rat. Come on, man. It's like you're the guy who's in charge of everybody else's opinion yeah, and they're looking I? to you like, what are you doing? No. It's like I'm making their favorite album like Null and Void or something. I'm just like, no, dude, you're, you're, you can still feel how you feel. I, this yeah. is how I feel. But I think Dancing Undercover is a great album. And um, while I didn't have this album when it came out, this was my introduction to Rat through the movie The Golden Child because Body Talk is on the soundtrack for The Golden Child, yeah. which probably has a montage song on it somewhere, but <laughs> I just don't know what it is. Um, but but yeah, and Body Talk's on Dancing Undercover. It's one of my favorite rat songs, and I just love the vibes of the 80s rat. It just sounds yeah. great. They, were, they had some fucking riffs, man. They had riffs. Mm. And then finally wrapping it up with The Ultimate Sin by Ozzy Osbourne, which... I think is unfairly treated like it's a shit album and it's not. Oh, totally. Um, and I love shot in the dark. I know that it's not a song that uh, out on the street. <laughs> I'm stalking the night. Yeah. So good. I, I feel like, I don't think it's a song Ozzy plays anymore because I think that there was, there's so much bad blood and legal shit with the guy that wrote it. Was it, was it Jakey Lee? Did he, was he the guitar uh, player at that point? Yeah. Jakey um, Lee. And I, so I think there's there, it, it's just one of those songs that I don't think he plays anymore, even though it's like so good. It's, and it's the last song on the album, which I'm always just like, that's so interesting to me when badass songs are put last on albums, but there's the song, the ultimate sins on there. It's just the, the overall vibe. And I think I'm with you that, um, even for the songs that aren't necessarily as good, the vibe of the eighties, Ozzy, it just, I, I, it feels good. You put it on, you put yeah. the needle on the vinyl. It sounds good. And um, it's not my favorite Ozzy album, but it's it's a damn good one. And I do think it deserves way more respect than it gets. Um, so yeah, that was those were my, my runners up. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wondering what we left out that's going to alarm people. I know um, neither one of us talked about Dark Angel. Um, uh, which the, uh, I think it was Darkness Descends came out in 86. And there's a few other ones here and there. Like, like that's there's a thrash band I've neglected. I, yeah. need to, I need to check out Dark Angel. And then uh, Voivod uh, yeah. Roar came out <laughs> in 1986. But these are all ones that like, I like them, but they, they don't, they haven't left their mark on me the way that these other albums have. And at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. It's about uh, these two dudes, uh, meaning Eddie and I, and uh, what we connect with. And when we do these lists, I really feel like it's the best. Like if somebody hadn't heard our podcast before, I'd be like, go listen to one of the year episodes because you get an idea of the scope of the things that we love because we talk about your thrash metal and we talk about glam, you know, the hair bands, but also, you know, I'll throw in some hip hop or... You know, we'll throw in some traditional classic metal stuff. It's and, and some it's grunge. Just, uh, well, and grunge eventually. I mean, not obviously in '86 that wasn't a thing, but <laughs> but yeah, Green and River. occasionally death metal. Green River was <laughs> they was that in '86 or I don't even know if that happened in '86. I, I, you know, actually, now that I think about it, 
was the first like which Green River album is it that uh, I I love these like pre Pearl Jam um bands. Let's have a look here. Green River. Uh, when did Come On Down come out? Because that was the one before. I, think that, I feel like dry, it's 80, dry as a bone. maybe eighty seven at the earliest. I'm enjoying doing these like live live deep dives <laughs> well it says it says they formed in 1984 oh shit this is october 85 come on down holy shit yeah come uh, so on down even, e- so even earlier wow yeah and then dry as a bone rehab doll were so, like, so you yeah you could say that that was the beginning of of grunge there yeah oh the uh deep six compilation yeah came out in 86 there you go so that was the Genesis, kind of, if you will. So there you go. It wasn't that much of a tangent because we found our way back to 1986. And we are just nailing it with the fucking callbacks today. We are. We are. <laughs> so yeah, so there, there we go. Uh, um, our top five favorite albums from 1986, and um, this and a bunch of other ones, <laughs> and a bunch of other ones. But, you know, that's the, that's the way we get away with it is like, you know, sure, we have to narrow it down to five, but we can still talk about more. It's there's, you know, we make the rules around here. Hell yeah. But um, so, yeah, this was a fun one. Um, thanks for listening. If you guys have lasted this long, um, I'm probably going to end up putting up a little video extra from this episode on YouTube, on the Old Head YouTube channel. Um Probably some of our tangents, because I think that that's, that's, that's the fun <laughs> shit. And doesn't really get yeah. too much away about the episode. But of course, as usual, you're probably listening to this. The full episode always goes up on my channel, uh, just with some album covers for reference. But um, by and large, this is a podcast, and I do like that aspect of just listening to what we're saying. Because we don't really do anything very interesting visually. It's just yeah. two dudes talking. But either way, either way, I appreciate however you are uh, taking in this podcast. And um, as usual, leave your comments, leave your top five of 1986. Um, Eddie, do you have any parting words for the audience? Um, we both read all the comments. So uh, it, this whole this whole project is just a big old conversation. But to be, to Get be, involved. To be fair, if you're a dick, I've started just removing those comments. Hey. Because before I was trying to argue with idiots. Banhammer. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was going to argue with idiots, and I'm like, you know what? The whole point of my channel especially is being positive and celebrating music, even if you don't feel the same way. And so yeah. just people coming on being, you know, um, ass clowns about it. <laughs> they, uh, I, they, yeah. uh, they, I've, just, I've decided that that's the way I'm going to deal with it. I'm just going to be like, you know what? There's nothing about your comment that is constructive. You're a piece of shit. Yeah. You're deleted. And that's my right, folks. <laughs> there's, there's a difference between differing opinions and being a douche. Yeah, yeah. There's don't a, be, don't be a douche. Uh, yeah, I mean, my, I, I'll talk about albums I don't like, but I don't, I, I, mo- most of the time, maybe I'll go off on a tangent, but I don't disrespect people for the things that they're into. Um, even, even if key. I do think that people are idiots for certain things that they like, but I won't be an <laughs> asshole and point them out. Um, that's... <laughs> Me, Famous Monsters, 1999 <laughs> episode. Go check that out. Okay, sorry. So yes, so I did. I did. I was a little. There was a little venom 
but you know what? I'm only human. Yeah, I'm not, it, that, I'm that not perfect. Makes, makes it more entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Occasionally I will go off on a bit of a tangent, but for the most part, I really feel like there's so much criticism in the world that it's like, yeah. just I, I want to take the other side of things where instead of talking about the shit that's bad, plenty of people do that. I'm going to talk about the shit that's good and that makes me feel good. And, um, and you know, Eddie as well. So yeah. Okay. There we go. <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> let's wrap it up on that note. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week, I believe with another band discography and it should be a pretty fun one. Um, oh, and yeah. then eventually fairly soon, cause I know we got holidays and new year coming up and stuff, but eventually we'll do another full on video episode of some sort. Um, yeah. but just, just stay tuned and, uh, we'll be, we'll be around. So anyway, thank you very much for listening, uh, to Cranked and Ranked and Eddie, take us out. Later, dude. Yeah.